Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast. My name is Neil. I'm a comedian. I'm joined by Eliza, relationship therapist. Eliza, how are you going? Good, good. I was just at the shops earlier today and I saw it was Santa photos were being set up and I can't believe it's come to that time of year already. Mm, This year feels like it's been about five to ten years. Literally, it's aged me a lot. The lockdown was only six months ago. How crazy is that? It feels like a very long time ago and it feels like a lot has gone to shit this year. So hopefully next year's a better one. It feels like a lot went to shit, but we've slowly started to crawl our way back out. Yep. Hopefully. That's the vibe I get. Anyway. <laughs> that's the vibe. <laughs> um, uh, a quick announcement. Uh, we now have subscriptions available for the Sex Sales Podcast. If you listen to my other podcast, Neil and Jordan, there are similar uh, monthly subscriptions Go to neilcolhacker.com slash podcasts. You can subscribe for either one, two, three, ten, or thirty dollars a month. For one, two, or three dollars a month, you get access to an exclusive Discord, which is a blog where everyone can contribute and you can get to know other people who are fans of the podcast. For ten dollars a month, Eliza and I will answer a question of yours in depth and uh, announce any social medias or uh business ideas or whatever it is that you want us to talk about. And for $30 a month, we will do an entire podcast based on your suggestions. So for more information, go to neilcolhatka.com slash podcast, and all the podcasts will still be available for free. Woo. Yeah. That was a mouthful. (laughs) It was a bit of a mouthful, wasn't it? But, uh, you know, a few little present ideas there before Christmas. (laughs) Listen to this. You need it. (laughs) You do. You do. Need to subscribe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Eliza, what do you want to talk about today? Well, I've kind of been going through um, an obsession with cults lately. So, standard white girl. Yeah, you know, why not just live in my stereotype? Mm -hmm. So, I thought, let's talk about cults. And in particular, I've been looking into sex cults and things like that as well. Shocker. So, I mean, aren't all cults? some sort of sex cult pretty much like they all end up being like that anyway it's unfortunate is there ever a cult that doesn't have orgies Uh, maybe scientology i probably do probably it's probably like one of the top tier level things that you access as you invest seventy thousand dollars into it and then you can get to the orgy level but oh okay so like our subscriptions their subscriptions are just a lot higher if you give us seventy thousand dollars you will be invited to an exclusive orgy sex sales orgy we will not participate you might i have a feeling (laughs) there'd be a few listeners that would be interested in that so (laughs) <laughs> comment if you're interested in the uh, exclusive sex sales but orgy. Comment on the on the YouTube, not in my Instagram, please. <laughs> sure. You can comment on Whichever eels. one you prefer. <laughs> yeah, you can comment on my Instagram. Go for it. Um, before we get into a discussion of cults, how do you define a cult? Um, so that's a good question. It's a, a group of people that have a shared ideology or like belief. Um, usually that's kind of extreme. And however, the difference between cult and religion was that they have a, a an individual leader. So one person who leads the cult um, and there is a direct hierarchy under that person. And mm. he's likely to be narcissistic, charming and probably sociopathic as well. But didn't a lot of religions originate with one singular leader? 
Yes, exactly. However, um, I think one of the big things that differentiate between religion and cult, aside from the, the individual leader, is that with cults, you invest so much of yourself financially and emotionally that it makes it near impossible for you to leave. And sometimes when you try to leave, they also hold you against your will. Whereas with most religions, at least in like Western world, you can leave freely at any point. Mm. There's a saying that uh, is all religions are just successful cults. Probably. And it's hard to disagree with that. Yeah, well, it makes really sense. When you think about it. Yeah. It's hard to define cult. It's, it's subjective, you know. To us, what we see as a cult could be a, a religion to certain other mm. people. Um, but I suppose it could be broadly defined as a group of people that, that adhere to dogmatic and irrational beliefs. Yes, exactly. And also, when you join the cult, you never know that it is, in fact, a cult. No. No one knows a, joins a cult willingly knowing that it's a cult. And no one who's in a cult thinks they're in a cult. They think yeah. they're part of the truth. Yes, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So what do you think is the psychology of someone who gets drawn into a cult? I think that... Sorry, just let's move this up a little bit. There we go. I think that anyone can be drawn into a cult and it doesn't necessarily take a certain set of personality traits um, or characteristics that are going to make you more vulnerable. Um, You know, everyone, it's easy to say I would never join a cult and I would never get into that or that's so stupid. But it's crazy how many people do of intelligence um, do get into these cults and even famous people like we've seen in in Scientology or or the Nixon cult that everyone's talking about at the moment how it had lots of famous um, actors in it and things like that Um, but I think one of the biggest things that draws um, people just everyday people like us into a cult is um, a feeling of a lack of belonging loneliness um, things you might have lost a job just loss and grief um, and just a search for meaning and Mm. purpose Um, which you know as humans we're always like driven by finding a sense of purpose and belonging. So it does make sense. It does make sense. And then that just does make the definition of cult even more nebulous because there are so many organizations and groups that have one charismatic leader Mm. that offer their adherents a sense of belonging and purpose and meaning and make them feel as though they're uh, articulating the real truth and everyone else is living a lie. I'm sure people in a cult, they think we're the ones living in a cult. Yeah. You know, we're living in this uh, um, capitalist or whatever you want to call it, neoliberal, uh, commercial-driven society, sorry, consumer-driven society, and we only care about the self, we only care about growth and profit. Many people would argue we're in a cult. So uh, Mm -hmm. it's it's just a very broad term. I've never really – it's hard to put your finger – onto exactly. exact definition of cult but we don't want to get into semantics there i think we all sort of know what we are talking about when we're talking about these kind of niche sex cults that have popped up in uh, western civilization over the last century let's mm. say yeah yeah and it's especially being in america um they they think that they're at the moment they have at least five thousand cults like major cults across america uh, which are considered to be like highly dangerous um to those individuals so that's a concerning stat um very scary it could then lead lead people to think that there's some sort of absence of a psychological yearning in american society so people Mm. are looking for that elsewhere that's it 
That's exactly right. Exactly right. And the way that they go about like indoctrinating people is is so sneaky and yet so intelligent. So once you once you get lured in, it's very hard to recognize what's even happening to you before you're too far into it and too far invested. You can't even leave. Well, that's it, isn't it? Because mm. they uh, open up and they introduce themselves with the love and acceptance and belonging. Mm. And there's probably great orgies. <laughs> they might not start with the orgies, but there's a lot of fun times and you yeah. feel like you belong. And then slowly but surely, you, you look past all the uh, questionable acts that you might have otherwise uh, frowned upon in any other situation. Mm-hmm. So they start drinking some blood and, and, and you, you might think in your head, oh, what are they doing? But no, it's such a loving and beautiful community. They must be, this is the truth. So there must be some truth as to why they're drinking mm-hmm. the, the virgin's blood or whatever. And before you know it, <laughs> you know, you're the one killing the virgin and drinking the blood. Exactly. I mean, think about the Jim's Jones cult when there was a mass suicide of 909 people and children. Is that the one where he took them to South America? Yeah, and that's why that saying, don't drink the Kool-Aid, came out um, because they all willingly drank the Kool-Aid knowing it was going to kill them and their families. And that's 900 people, like convincing that amount of people to to kill themselves is just like it only goes to show how in depth that this is embedded in you um, and how brainwashed these people can become Mm. scary gosh um yeah heavy days do you think there's uh i've i've always just sort of theorized that a toxic relationship is very similar to a cult in many ways because it's giving people a sense of belonging and purpose and making them feel special Mm. And they're looking past all the toxic occurrences because they want to hold on to that sense of purpose and uh, how, how they feel unique and yeah loved. Yeah, actually, I hadn't thought about it, but now that you say it, it makes a lot of sense because one of the things I know about the psychology of cults is that very often you don't actually get so sold on the belief of the cult, but you become so loyal and dedicated to the cult leader and that's how your kind of loyalty to this cult stays present so that is almost more important than whatever they're saying aliens or sacrifice you don't even care it's about impressing that cult leader um so it is kind of like having that toxic relationship dynamic where someone is doing things so horrific and so cruel yet we are looking past that and and ignoring it or or just justifying it somehow for it's for the greater good or he knows what he's doing because he's so intelligent um, or so much higher than me and so much better than me. And what am I, who am I to know what is right in this situation? Yeah. Mm. So. Love is a cult. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't ever be in love. (laughs) You've been in doctrine. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Um, But yeah, there's a, everyone's talking about this, um, this documentary on Stan at the moment called Seduced. Um, there's only a few episodes out there releasing one every week, but it's it's about um, the Nixon cult. So the cult leader, Keith Raniere, has just been charged um, earlier this year for 120 years in prison um, for the cult that he had. Mm, um, and a lot of years. Yeah, and the story behind it and how they did it is just so fascinating and so terrible 
what actually occurred there and things that were going on that it just it blows my mind that so many people were involved in it and this is one of those cults that also had a lot of famous people in it like um Alison Mack the the actor from Smallville was mm. one of the major people in in this cult um she was trying to recruit people on Twitter oh god she was tweeting at other famous actresses saying you know I've got a I know a good community that respects uh, powerful, intelligent women like us. Mm. I can't remember which actress she was tweeting at, and then now people are retweeting oh, that. Oh, it was Emma Watson. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's right. And the way that they get people into this cult was they were doing workshops for, um, in particular, women, but also men, but um, aiming workshops for reaching career and business success. So they had like business leaders and psychologists holding these workshops and in in doing so and then being like, okay, join up to the next one and join up today. So then you invest $2,000 and you're committed to go to the next one. And then throughout each um, of these workshops you're going through, even though they're talking about business beneath that, they are analyzing you. They're doing a little bit of like NLP, like neuro-linguistic um, psychology, trying to, or programming, trying to impact you um, and how you think and what you believe. So it's all these kind of hidden layers beneath that just what you perceive as doing a, a workshop to make you more successful in your business. Mm. Yeah. And they're like, hey, we've, we've got this really special program for you kind of thing and then you're like oh okay so that that does appeal to me and then you want to go and do it and then before you know it you're seventy thousand dollars invested into this cult thing and you're obsessed with the cult leader and <laughs> i saw an interview with allison mack and uh, what's his name again keith keith yeah and i've never seen a woman so enamored and yeah uh, staring blindly into a man's eyes oh, and she's an adult she looked like a 15 year old girl looking at the football captain or something. Yeah. It was, it was startling. The way the that least. they all actually spoke about Keith was they were all like that. And in the interviews, they're all so smiley and like, so talk about it so dreamy and this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yet Alison was like the head of this side kind of program to do with um, the Nixon cult and it, they called it DOS and it was like it's a um, an acronym for these Latin words that basically translate to master of women or ma like mm -hmm. being the master of a woman where she would then have um, Allison was one person who had would recruit three slaves and then those slaves would then recruit three of their own slaves and then it was this kind oh, of pyramid scheme pyramid scheme and that's how he even Damn. um keith started this before he became like this religious new age political like person of inspiration he was running a very successful mlm scheme and he applied that same kind of fundaments fundamental um foundations to his cult and it was a hundred percent effective it totally worked wow yeah and you were telling me before that he he has an incredibly high iq yeah so he was in the guinness world records for having an iq and then there were all these things about how he had written like classical piano pieces and had done mathematical mathematical equations that only three people could do and things like that. And okay. there was actual 
evidence to suggest that he was this intelligent. Mm. Um, so he was a smart person. and But alongside that, he was a narcissistic person and probably sociopathic. And he lacked a lot of, um, well, he lacked total empathy. But in doing that, he was very charismatic and he knew how to have an influence on people and, and win them over. And you watch him interview people and he stands just like slightly too close to every single person. And he will look you so in-depthly straight into your eyes, smiling at you. And you can just see them getting won over by him straight away, like within a minute. What, just because he looks into their eyes? Well, there's with um, the, what they're saying is that the leaders of Nixon, so Keith, and he had like a, a business partner, Nancy Saltzman, who was like a... Uh-huh. Um, very successful psychologist and she was also into those the other end of psychology the alternative psychology like hypnosis and NLP yeah and so she had taught all of the leaders about NLP which is essentially a way to manipulate people through techniques without them being aware of it yeah yeah so he was using those in his approach to people um and they were completely unaware but they would walk away from him thinking holy shit i feel so good i feel so enlightened and everything he was saying was so intelligent and rang so true to me and you know people that are, are lonely or searching for meaning and to have someone say like, you know, I see you're a really intelligent person and these kind of compliments and statements about you Mm. that someone sees greatness in you and then being like, I want to harness that. Like, I want that around me. Like, come come out and hang out here with me. Join this group with me. Sounds exactly like a toxic relationship. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What is it? What's the psychology of those women in particular, do you think that? Because if if it's a career and business seminar, it's probably educated Mm. uh, women who... Uh, well, from what I saw, they were quite attractive. Yeah. And what makes them fall for something like this? Well, so a part of, I guess, the psychology behind bringing people into cults and NLP and things like that is that they will psychoanalyze people very in-depthly. And we know that it's part of Scientology massively as well. And they do mm. this full psychoanalysis of you. And people love to know about insights that you other people have on you yourself. Um, like if someone's going to sit down and be able to read you, you're going to be so curious to know what they say. Um, but, you know, there's, there's certain kind of categories that people fall into. For example, you could be a thinker. And if I analyze you to be a thinker, I would come at you with a specific direct approach about like here's the logic here's the stats like here's here's how we came to think that this is going to work kind of thing yeah and it's all (laughs) about the logic and how it makes rational sense to be in this group oh that's how you get me into a cult and then there's people that are um like feelers Mm. um like um like me i would be a feeler and it's people that are more like emotional and they want like you know and they're like oh you come here and there's like there's so many people in this community that you're going to be helping and we're having such a great impact on the world and you're going to have like friends you're going to have groups that you're going to lead groups yourself it's kind of like the look at this impact that you can have so, and then there's the believers, like people fall into the believers category that are searching for a sense of belonging. So that one's self-explanatory. And then finally, there's people that are doers and to people that fall into that category. It doesn't even matter if you believe in in the like philosophy of it. It's more so like, I've got these campaigns for you to run, charity drives, I've got all this, this, and this, and it is appealing so much to you and, and your personality where you're like, shit, this is going to be so good for me. 
Wow. So they've yeah. really uh, honed in on the psychology of each person yeah. and figured out a way to fulfill their psychological desires yeah. that otherwise aren't being fulfilled in the, uh, you know, normal society exactly it's like every single person tens of thousands of people they will be like i have a special role just for you and you yourself neil are going to make a huge impact on the world and Mm. people just lap that lap that shit up and then they get taught things like um you know if you're feeling uncomfortable or if you're feeling like this this isn't right then that shows that you do not yet have the emotional depth that is needed and you need to work on yourself more. So anytime you start questioning (laughs) this cult or the beliefs of it, they're saying, you're not in this enough. You're not invested enough. And then you you lose. You're like, oh, shit, they're right. It's a religion. Yeah. It's it's no different to a religion because a religion says the exact same thing. If you you're having doubts, Mm. you're not trusting the word of God. You're not close enough to God. Yeah. Uh, so it's really teaching you to to not have critical thinking skills. They actually kind of take away those skills and they also take away boundaries that you have. Like over time, your boundaries get pushed every so slight or ever so slightly every time though. And then yeah. eventually you just have no boundaries left and you're just going with whatever goes. Wow. Mm. Yeah, I think there are parallels to a lot of groups and organizations, like I was saying at the at the beginning of the podcast, but these are particularly pernicious because of all the sexual escapades, if you will. Mm. Uh, so what is he being charged for? Is it the pedophilia or is it the manipulation, the fraud? What are the charges? It's all of the above, but I think the main one was actually that him and Alison Mack, the Smallville actress, got charged for... Um, sex trafficking Mm, because this program that um she was running that does program where it's women's only was so horrific and it's kind of like this so she was the master of these three girls and then each slave had three slaves themselves and they had to send people um tasks to do right and Pretty much everything Alison was doing was send me pictures of your genitals, send me nudes, send me this, this, and this. And she was sending it all up to Keith, the leader. So, And were these adult women or children? They were all adult women. Um, and so then, yeah, it comes into this, well, are you consenting and, and you were doing this willingly and were you held against your will to send these photos? But I think that there were times where it was – it borderlined, you know, illegal um, as an illegal action just because of how many women were doing this and or not knowing that their photos were being sent to Keith or videos to Keith or being kind of lied to to such an extent. For example, one of the women saying that um, eventually she was told to go see Keith and that he would go down on her um, and say, you need this because like you're unwell, like I'm healing you with this. And so to her, she was very uncomfortable. She was like frozen in fear. She was like feeling like traumatic, but he's this leader in this position of power, like saying you have to do this like or else. And Uh they'd also seen women, you know, their friends and colleagues or whatever be punished so publicly and horrifically that they're like, that could happen to me, like there was a case of this one woman, she was like this 45-year-old highly educated woman, 
I don't know what it was that she did. I think she said she was uncomfortable with something mm. and they put her in a house and they said, you cannot leave this house. And that woman was in one house in essentially a room on her own for two whole years. But what was crazy was that it turns out the house was never locked. She chose to stay there because she was so ashamed of what she had done and, and and she wasn't told she'd be there for two years. They'll be like, you'll stay here till you've learned the lesson. So she thought maybe three days or a couple of weeks, but two whole years of her life in a room. Jesus. Yeah. Well, these are people with very, very low self-worth and yeah. uh, horrible manipulators that are taking advantage of that, yeah. that are probably deluded enough to think that they're helping the people. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people who are heads of cults or any sort of organization that claims to be helping everyone are just deluded narcissists, really. Exactly. And Even that, businesses. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's a, delu everyone's a deluded narcissist. <laughs> if you're it. like, I can lead people, I can help all of you, if you just do these things yeah. that are ultimately going to benefit me the most, eh, it's some form of narcissism. That's it. That's the exact kind of per persona of a cult leader is that exact belief of being like, I know the way. Yeah. You need to come under my wing and I will show you. Yeah, we talk a lot about charisma on uh Jordan and I talk a lot about right. charisma on the other podcasts and how vital and imperative and significant a skill it is in any sort of oratory or leadership role. Mm. We say that you can almost guarantee the more charismatic candidate will win every election. Oh, wow. Almost always. And if yeah. you think about it, look, it makes that, sense. that's true. Um, mm. In so many hierarchical organizations, there seems to be not a dynamic as malevolent as this, but there is some sort of a dynamic where, you know, if you question the 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 order or if you question authority, you are shunned, you are shamed, you are punished. Mm. How do we uh, how do we know if an organization is corrupt or if it's necessary to have certain boundaries and restrictions and as a result punishments to maintain the social order of that particular organization. So the question I guess briefly would be, how do we know, not necessarily when a group or a, a organization becomes a cult, but when does it start to become abusive or toxic, if you will? Exactly. Well, one of the biggest things that cults request and require from you is they lure you in with um, with all these, you know, psychological tricks. But then they say as well, there will be massive financial mm. gain for you if you come into this goal, uh, cult. Self-help. Yeah. And what is – not that this is cult, but, you know, I did a um, – a master prac of life coaching for two years. And some of these life coaches that were coaching us were very, very wealthy people. And they would charge someone $12,000 for a few sessions of life coaching. And I'm like, how could you possibly convince someone who's lost and, and has no money to give you $12,000 to speak to you for four hours? And broken people. Yeah. And he said, Eliza, it, the only line you have to say is if you want like betterment, if you want your life fixed, all you have to do is make an investment for yourself. So they, that's how they kind of like twist it. Like you're not paying me $12,000. You're paying $12,000 into yourself um, kind of thing. And you will make that back tenfold, etc. So um, it's kind of like that with cults. But what they then request is so you invest a little bit of money here and there to begin with. And then you've got 
everything you own is as part of this cult. So with the Jim Jones cult, they uh, when they moved to um, South America, they had the, all the families were kind of like lower wealth, um, just working class families, and they brought every single thing they owned. They sold all their houses and bought everything else um, to with the cult, like to the cult. So yeah. they shared the resources amongst them, and all the money went to Jim Jones. So then they, if they left, they had nothing. Did he kill himself as well? I think he did. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, people yeah. are. Uh desperate for direction if they're uh, lacking self-worth and and meaning and purpose Mm. yeah Mm. exactly and then you know in the in the louis thoreau documentary on scientology he interviews this one guy and he was he was only in the scientology cult for a very short amount of time because he'd come to hollywood to be an actor and he got kind of swept up on it it was only i think it was only like a few months that he was a part of it and louis was like how much did you invest in it and he was like on just like the the pamphlets and the books that he would that boy or man would then go out and sell and try to get other people to join he was like fifty thousand dollars just just on pamphlets (laughs) so it's a it's a huge investment and with the nixon cult it was a lot worse because not only do you invest financially in these courses but what would happen then is they would ask you for what they called collateral damage. So they're like, in order for me to know that I can trust you and that you're dedicated to me, Neil, mm, I need yeah. you to give me all the passwords to your bank account. I need to give you you to give me every single secret you know. I need you to send me all your nudes and things like that. And then what would end up happening because they required them to do, these people to do this, you know, every single week. And some people were in this cult for nine, 12, whatever years, and they would run out of things. So then they started making up things like my dad was a pedophile that abused me. So things that were completely incorrect. But then when they were saying, okay, I want to leave, they were like, well, no, we know this about you. We have this on you and blah, blah, blah. And we'll tell your dad that you said this about him um, and you feel stuck. Yeah. Jesus. It's dark. It's uh, very dark. Uh at what point does it become illegal? So I know pedophilia was involved in this cult and, and mm. as you said, it was fraudulent for someone to say, uh, give me these nude photographs and no one else will see them. Mm. But say there is a sex cult or we deem it a cult, but there's one leader who's very charismatic and says, you know, I can make you feel better and help you and, you know, whatever they say looks into their their eyes and stands close to them, mm. <laughs> whoever falls for that. And then if they do all have orgies or whatever, is that, you know, is anyone actually doing anything illegal there? No, and that's why it's so hard to kind of shut these cults down even though you, they're making people completely broke and isolated from their friends and family and it doesn't have any positive net worth impact on these individuals. But... They, there's nothing you can do when it's like, well, you chose to give me all your money, you chose to engage in sex and you chose to do all this and that's why these cults often last like 10, 20, 30 years and they kind of just like end up collapsing in on themselves at the end mm. um, or with a mass suicide or a murder or some massive scandal or something like that. It always ends up happening but the fact that it's gone on for 20 years is is already huge and like with um scientology people that have left that um religion and slash cult it's near impossible for them to talk about it because scientology has so much money invested in their like lawyer teams that 
You can, as an individual, try, but you are going to get ripped apart and millions of dollars will be willingly spent just to keep your keep you quiet from speaking about it. Damn. Yeah. So it makes it near impossible to kind of fight it or get out of it. And that's what a lot of people are saying is the difference between um, the churches and cults as well is that you can file lawsuits against the church and, yeah, they will try to, like, defend themselves and things like that, but then not often going to ruin you <laughs> forever. Some churches. Or murder your family and things like oh, that. Okay, yeah, yeah they're not going to do that. But mm. then some of those um, prosperity preachers and the mm. Hillsong ones and oh, things, they're yeah. a bit weird. <laughs> they are a bit weird. Yeah, and they've yeah. got all these flat screen TVs and fancy buildings. It's like, yeah, I'm, I don't think that's what Jesus intended. <laughs> that's right. And yeah. then, uh, no, but uh, I know people who have left uh, or who have, become atheists say from islam or christianity and they're Mm. shunned by their family yeah exactly so i don't i don't think there's actually that much of a difference between religion and cults although it's very subjective there because there are some religious organizations that do amazing work yeah Uh, Yeah. but you're adopting dogmatic ideas Mm. and appeasing a hierarchy and investing in yourself yeah yeah you're, you're giving yourself to this hierarchy and to these to this ideology and you're fighting for it and you're looking past some of the other things that in any other situation or organization you would question. Uh, but because mm-hmm. it gives you that sense of purpose, that love, that community, the belonging, all these things that we deeply crave. Mm-hmm. So the question is, uh, how do we have a secular society while still giving the populace all those things that religion was so effective at offering? And we haven't answered that yet. No. Um, yeah, that's a good, a very good point. Hmm. Have you ever had a foray into any organization that you then realized, oh, I was being manipulated there? Um, I don't think so, but I've definitely had experiences where it's it's led me to understand how people can get um, brought into cults. Like mm. when I started kind of going into studying, um, so I, I did like three years doing counseling and behavioral science where you learn like the typical therapeutic approaches like CBT and positive psychology and yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards I spent two years doing like alternative therapies because I was curious. I was doing like multiple brain integration, um, timeline therapy and hypnosis. And I also did NLP. And the things I was learning during these courses to me were so mind-blowing that, you know, for a period of a few days and also the fact that when I was doing them, I was quite young. Mm. I was literally just thinking, holy shit, the, the answer to myself and psychology has just been given to me and no one knows this. Yeah. Like I could totally understand how that's the approach that cults take um, where a lot of their, um, mm. their kind of indoctrinating things about self-wellness and, and educating and finding yourself is actually accurate. So they might teach you like the most amazing meditation that's going to work and they're going to teach you all these like little um you know, changing your your thought processes and doing CBT and things like that. And it's like going to be effective because they're using actual methods. Yeah. Um, and then you're like, oh, my God, this shit works. Like, this makes sense. It's exactly how they yeah. get you. They uh, offer that sense of belonging and community yeah. and they cherish you and they make you feel so loved. And then before you know it, you're in the office and the leader is like, I need to go down on you. Yeah. <laughs> or you need to go down on me. And then <laughs> like with this, um, with that Keith Raniere, he would, and actually pretty much with every single cult leader, they've 
basically all been um, male except for one that I found that was a short-lived cult, which she'd still had sex with hundreds of men. Um, Good on you, Mary. But he had like a lot of the top tier women like when they make it up to the top he had them all as sexual partners and he said just so you know and they were in agreement with this like you can never ever have sex with anyone else but I can have sex with anyone I want and part of his like kind of this cult belief was bringing back these really old beliefs about women's place in society and how we need to allow our men and like every you have problems with your husband you have problems in your relationships or you've all experienced the breakup that's because you didn't let them fuck other girls that's the reason why like that's what they were teaching definitely sounds like a a mass toxic relationship there. <laughs> yeah. It's just all the parallels. It's exactly the it's same. It's it. It's it. And yeah. it's really shocking that uh, those sorts of women fell for it. The, you know, hotshot mm. New York corporate types. Wealthy, intelligent, mm. business owners. Yeah. Yeah, because a working class woman would just, oh, fuck off. This yeah. Is fucking bullshit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he also, I think one of the biggest things that happened, though, was with Keith, he got, um, he paid um, Gandhi a million dollars to come and take a photo with him, shaking his hand. Wait, 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 Gandhi? No, no, no. (laughs) Sorry. uh, The Dalai Lama. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. He died a long time ago. Sorry, sorry, sorry. He Um, (laughs) reversed that. He paid the Dalai Lama a million dollars to come and take a photo shaking his hand. And the Dalai Lama took the million dollars. And he did it, yeah. But no one knew about the million dollars until like years later. And um, that photo went everywhere. So he was like, I'm the new age Uh, Dalai Lama. Just start to realize in this age of social media, the one good thing is so many of these authoritative hierarchies, you just realize how corrupt they really are. Mm. So many in the last 20, 30 years, realize how corrupt the Catholic church is, all these cults, you know, Hollywood, uh, with all the stuff going on behind the scenes, Mm. politics. That's just wherever there's power, there's just orgies. (laughs) That's the moral of this podcast. Wherever there's power and money. There's yeah. cocaine and orgies. And and child sex rings. Yes. Pedophilia, like Jeffrey Epstein. It's just what crazy. Why? Yeah. God. And then when those things happen, though, you can see why people get lured into, like, um, conspiracies. Like, you know, with the whole Jeffrey mm. Epstein thing in the trials, like, why are all these celebrities obsessed with pedophilia and, and children? And then it went from that into, oh, they use children's blood to keep themselves young. That's why Kim Kardashian is 40 and looks 30 and all this shit. And then and then it's like that kind of same belief, that experience that happens in cults when you're like, I have the answer and no one knows, like no mm. one gets it kind of thing. Uh, anyone yeah. who says, I know uh, my ideology is truthful and it mm. cannot be questioned. And what's really sick and twisted about certain ideologies is when any semblance or instance of doubt is actually just a confirmation of the ideology so if you're starting to doubt the beliefs of of a cult or even a religion no that's actually just the devil inside of you or that's that's you being challenged by the the world the outside world or um i honestly think that i always bring it back to this but there's parallels to uh the the sort of woke uh ideology Mm. that you hear today where anyone who may be questioning that oh no they're just uh falling for their oppressors and things like that. Yeah. You just, unless you can openly say whatever you believe in, whatever you uh, adhere to as truthful, 
you have to be able to question it and be open to criticism and accept that, look, it's probably not as truthful as you think it is. Mm. And you have your biases. And uh, I think if a lot of people understood that, and if we taught that to kids in schools, if we really taught them critical thinking Mm. and not just how to be an activist, but, okay, how can you arrive to the right form of activism and the right ideological activism? uh, That's a far more effective education than just, you know, this is the way you have to think and if you don't think this way, you're a bad person. Exactly. And also instilling self-worth. Also, many of these concerns that we talk about on this podcast is comes from a lack of self-worth, um, falling into toxic relationships, falling into cults, mm. you know, believing radical ideas. If you are confident and comfortable in yourself and you understand that um, no one can be perfect but you have enough uh, belief and instilled self-worth and confidence, you don't fall for these sorts of extremist ideas. That's exactly right. I can't remember who it was but one of these cult researchers was saying pretty much the only person that is safe from a cult is one that is happy and content in their life and in everyone exactly else's vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it, politics, look at the Donald Trump basically has a bit of a cult. Oh, my God. And, and well, yeah. a lot of politi- politicians have it's a bit crazy. of a cult around them. It's just, there's a... But Donald Trump in particular, like, I've just realized on the way over, I was thinking about this, like, why does everyone wear Donald Trump hats and, like, and face masks and clothing? But that's... Ne- I have never seen that for any other president or prime minister or political like figure of like literal clothing. Not in our lifetime, but yeah. they've been in, throughout history, yeah. a lot of people yeah. have worn certain emblems and but, things. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It, well, we'll go there. What Trump, you know, Sam Harris had a really short podcast uh, that was really interesting. And I think it was a valuable insight that Trump is that, look, the rhetoric around Trump is that he's very exclusionary and discriminatory and that the Democrats are the ones that are uh, inclusive and open. But actually, when you sit down and think about it, all you need to do is say, I like Trump, I'm going to wear this hat. You are part of a community. You mm-hmm. have a sense of purpose. There is an explanation to all the ills in your life. It's mm-hmm. the it's the elite. It's the swamp. It's uh, immigrants or whatever it may be. It's mm-hmm. not you. And it doesn't matter if you're because he actually uh, a lot of minorities swung in his favor Mm. and white men were the only ones that swung for uh, Biden but you can almost see that because it doesn't actually matter what your skin color is or what your sexuality is if you just say yeah I'm a Trump supporter boom you're in this big community that love and and respect each other and you celebrate and you have a purpose and you have meaning whereas if you look at the other side which talks about words like kindness and empathy and inclusion no if you if you don't say the right words if you don't eat the right foods if you don't you know listen to the right people if you don't do all the right things if you're not in the if you're in the oil industry if you no, then you're excluded mm-hmm. so actually uh trump is almost the in- inclusive one it's it was a really interesting insight it's a short podcast that he did a few days ago it's a uh, if anyone wants to listen to it, I thought it was incredibly I'd like to listen to that because I have actually been struggling so much just understanding how, like, I did not expect that the election would go this way. I thought it would be so clear cut and it kind of, that was a bit naive of me. Um, but I didn't realize how popular Trump would still be and how supportive and how close it was. Like, and I just don't get how he has that kind of backing. But so I will give that a listen because I'd like to understand it. Yeah, more. he he. There's a lot of people in that sort of, I guess, center. Well, 
classically liberal left that are uh, really critical of the what some people call the regressive left or the sort of woke ideology, but will also mm. uh, fervently be against Trump. So people like you, Sam Harris, there's a guy called Andrew Sullivan mm. I found really interesting. Uh, those two in particular, I'm trying to, or Coleman Hughes, I've talked about him before. Mm. And, um, uh, the Weinstein brothers, um, there's a few in that kind of right. ideological dark web that I really like. I'm just always retweeting them. <laughs> um, but it's also the media we consume. You know, we're in a different world if we only consume, uh, if we follow certain people on social That's media and, and listen to certain news outlets. We just think a certain way. Yeah, exactly. And there are people who would be thinking a certain, uh, other way that, are consuming different outlets and they're probably thinking how could anyone support biden how could anyone support scomo any of that sort of stuff it's all yeah politics is a lot like certain it's a lot like religion and, and cults and it's all you know human psychology and group think and you know, giving people a purpose and meaning and mm-hmm. sort of helping them understand why they may not have to take personal responsibility that's what a lot of this comes down to as well it's like hey you don't have to take personal responsibility because it was the immigrants, because it was, um, mm-hmm. because it was white people, whatever it may be, um, people are being offered an answer, mm. and that answer is never, you know, it could be you, because that's not <laughs> yeah. politically no one wants to hear that. popular, is yeah. it? Um, it's a good point, very yeah. good point, especially about how like the social media kind of shapes shapes us. Because I actually was talking about this yesterday, how. I didn't realize, well, I did realize, but it wasn't something I was so conscious about is how my own social media keeps me in this little bubble where I thought everyone would be thinking the same as me because every single person I was connected to or even when just like going through TikTok where I'm not connected to any of these people, but I'm still getting people that have the same kind of belief system as me, like with Mm. the voting for gay marriage in Australia and all I was seeing was vote yes, vote yes, vote yes, everywhere. And I was so shocked at how close the results came. I was like, surely not. But just that kind of mm. we we do get like targeted with advertising and ads and we do kind of, you know, fall into these same age group and categories. And they were saying that if the election had been done by the American election had just been 30 years and under, it would have been like 90% Biden. That's what someone was saying. I yeah, there's a lot of, if yeah, you, can break, you can break down all sorts of demographics, yeah. but if you... If you go, if it was just, you know, blue-collar people working, it would have been massively mm. Trump. So mm. um, there's all sorts of demographics you can break down. And, you know, it was actually sort of like plumbers and electricians and um, service people that were the ones donating to Trump. And it was the wow. richest of the rich that were donating to Biden. Wow. So if you want to just talk about people who may be a little bit less privileged, there's uh, there's that as well. Um I just think it's more complicated. I don't think this is a separate mm. issue completely, but um, <laughs> but the, we'll, we'll stick to how politics is similar to cults. Yeah. Um, it gives people, you know, a tribe to belong to. It makes yeah. them feel like they have a purpose and there's a an ill that they need to rid the world off and mm. this particular person can bring them towards that. And, and you're on the good side. Yeah, you're yeah. All, everyone thinks they're on the good side. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, everyone thinks they're on the side of righteousness and the the correct sign and yeah um and that um that conspiracy yeah. theory uh what's it called shit q q q q anon q anon about that what it's is the it? belief that was a big pedophile trump ring. is the person who was bringing down pedophile rings independently uh, right okay um 
So that's why a lot of people support that support QAnon, support Trump. I mean, look, if you look at the flight log to Epstein's Island, it was Bill Clinton and Obama that went. Obama? Yeah. I'm pretty sure he was on the flight log. Don't break my heart. I love Obama. Doesn't mean they all fucked kids or whatever, but there was uh, the sort of people that were probably more Democrat that went onto the island. I don't know about that sort of stuff. Um, Crazy. But, yeah, just the human psychology of uh, the way politics works is really – that's what interests me more than anything. Yeah, I mean, we're social beings. So anything that – it's also apparently – I read our ego is led by – a a sense of belonging and purpose and that the more we feel that we belong to a community the more self-empowerment we get the better we feel about ourselves and the higher our esteem increases Mm. so you're right when you you're always making this uh, the statement that it comes down to self-worth it absolutely does because if you're not if you don't have a sense of belonging you've got lower self-worth and then you want to find a sense of belonging and that's Mm. when you get like kind of swept up into something like really weird and crazy yeah but it's amazing to you yeah it gave you that sense of love yeah i was just thinking about this earlier i think i mentioned it uh, on a previous podcast but if your sense of belonging and self-worth is dependent on being part of an ideology that wants to rid the world of a certain ill so whether that Mm. be poverty racism um you know sinful behavior the, the devil whatever it may be you want to get rid of that in the world and your sense of purpose is being uh, part of the fight against that you have a vested interest in there always being in that ill always existing mm. because then if if racism poverty or whatever it is is eradicated then you don't have any self-worth anymore because you've got nothing to fight against Damn. so yeah. subconsciously could you be actually undertaking certain actions that are leading there to be more of that ill or at the very least uh you have a huge bias towards exaggerating or amplifying how pernicious or how uh, how uh, feverish that ill really is mm. in in within a given society. Now, I was even thinking about it with myself, right? So, I guess what's my main sense of purpose and self worth? Being a comedian, what sort of comedy do I do? I generally try to criticize and and sort of use satire to. Mm. Um, uh, attack the excesses of um patronizing or like what i deem to be stupid cultural <laughs> or uh, social or political ideas hmm. so my bias is to see things as stupid even if they may not be and to see them as uh being worthy of mockery when they may not actually be so hmm. my i have an incentive to to simplify and to be quite cynical about the things I perceive and see in the world because that gives me more ammunition for comedy, if you will. Mm. And I think with uh, many people who are activists for whatever they're an activist for, I'm not just talking about, you know, woke or whatever. I mean, if you're an activist for Christianity or for, um, you know, capitalism, whatever it may be, I think that there may be sort of a, a bias or at least a sort of subconscious yearning for there to be more of your uh, ideological opponents or more of what you perceive to be, you know, immorality present because Mm. then you have more to fight against. You have more ammunition for your self-worth and Mm. your uh, purpose. And I wonder if, you know, if there's any psychologists or anything like that listening, if there's any sort of theories or anything related to that. 
almost in a way, uh, would you say there are parallels to, I keep going back to toxic relationships, but a, a girl who's who's been abused then um, always ends up in more um, mm-hmm. toxic relationships if she doesn't do the work. So she's sort of subconsciously mm-hmm. acting in a way that's bringing about that same environment and that same toxicity because that's what she feels comfortable yes, in. Yes, exactly. That's it. You hit the nail on the head. And great insight as well about your your job and the comedy. Well, I mean, I have to be because if I'm saying all this about other people and I'm not looking inwards, then I'd be very, I think that's a flaw. I think, yeah. you know, with uh, anyone, well, I'd, I'd, I'd indulge anyone listening. Or, sorry, I'd, uh, I'd recommend anyone listening to think about where they gain a sense of self-worth, purpose and meaning mm. and question that, question if, they're then seeing the world in as objective and truthful a way as they possibly can. I mean, we're all always going to have some sort of bias, but can we at least minimize that by understanding that we may want there to be more racism because that way I can be that warrior against that and I can help save people and that gives me that Mm -hmm. sense of self-worth that I'm so deeply craving. So I just think it's worthwhile to maybe meditate on that and sort of ruminate on on some of those thoughts, uh, and I, ha- I have been for the last couple of days, and it's been interesting. You've just been a little state of reflection, have you? I'm, I'm always in a soul searching reflection. I think <laughs> that's no, awesome. Not always, but um, yeah. No, I, I I sort of touched on this in a podcast quite a few weeks ago, but I've been thinking about that for quite a few weeks, and I think I see that, especially with politics, the word if if. If your value as a person is dependent on there being an, on a certain worldview existing, no matter what evidence you see that counters that worldview, you are you are determined to keep that worldview intact. In the same way, people do not want to give in to the doubts they may have about a cult. People do not want to give in to valid criticisms that mm. uh, they may be receiving uh, in, in regards to whatever ideology they adhere to. So true, and it also like explains why you know when when we when we talk to someone in a cult or f- when I talk to like a Trump supporter and I'm like, I ah, help me understand why. Like, but what about this and this? And you're throwing all these like stats at them, and it's like talking to a brick wall because to them it's so true and it's so accurate, and mm. I'm the uneducated one that doesn't understand it. Mm. Um, so it is kind of like you you're hitting a brick wall between people when you don't when you're so in, embedded in a, in a belief or a system and I always find that the best way just to approach everything in life is just to be curious you don't have to be neutral just mm-hmm. curious curious mm-hmm. about another person's opinion or experience and even if you thinking that's not you know accurate to me but well tell me more about that I want to hear about that what was that like for you like how did you come to believe that mm. and i would add be curious about your own beliefs yeah. and your own perceptions of the world because that's where you can do the most soul searching and find some pretty uh occasionally uh, dark realizations yeah so um i would encourage again i'd encourage anyone listening to this to that's it when you start soul searching that. and you start reflecting like you learn things about yourself that blow your mind you're like how have i gone yeah. my whole life never realizing this it's just it's such an important thing to do that not many people can practice or, or even know how to um practice or and it comes down to just 
learning about yourself, learning about why you respond to the way you do or why you're passionate about the way you do. And it also it comes deeper than that in, in your emotions as well. It's just like basic, like, why does this trigger me? Mm. Why does this mm. instantly make me angry or sad rather than just being like, you said that, it's pissed me off, fuck you. Like, well, mm. why is it pissed you off? Like, what's beneath that kind of go deep? Yeah, and and it's easy to look at the worst possible possible example of a an ideological opponent. I even the word opponent is it's very combative. Someone who may disagree with you, right? It's easy mm-hmm. to find a Facebook comment of someone who might not fully understand the ideology and think, oh, they see they are all stupid. Now, what you want to do is listen to the thought leaders, listen to the people who are uh, paving the way for that mm-hmm. ideology, and then equip yourself with uh, your criticisms or your rebuttals based on what the best possible version of the argument against your ideas are. Not the worst possible version, because, yeah, look, there are plenty of dumb Trump supporters. There are plenty of dumb um, ScoMo supporters. There are plenty, mm. plenty of dumb Greens supporters. There's plenty of there's dumb people everywhere. I don't think they're mm-hmm. exclusive to one <laughs> particular ideology, right? Um, what you want to do is find the best arguments that are being espoused by uh, an ideology that you may disagree with and then contend with those because I've been trying to do that this year uh, and you will be surprised with, with what you find. Yeah. You find you'll have a lot in common, right? So it's, uh, you know, coming back to, say, the male-female perspective, which was a big reason for doing this podcast, it's easy to look at the, you know, 15-year-old uh, feminist on Tumblr and be like, oh, she's so dumb. She doesn't know what she's talking about. No, read the actual literature mm. and then see how you feel about it. Mm. Similarly, it's easy. I would I would say that it's easy to to see a comment on a uh, a feminist post or something of a a man who can barely spell and and think, well, it's a, <laughs> they're all dumb, right? No, you want to read and and try to understand the best possible version of the argument against yours and it's it's really mm. easy and it's also just lazy to uh it, it just gives you a sense of comfort because you think well we're the smart ones they're the dumb ones um chances are probably not that's it that's so true and there's you know there's i definitely fall, i think everyone falls into that pattern of yeah, being like oh, how do you believe like when i think about scientology someone was asking me the other day like how does this how what is the the core belief of it and i was like it was literally based off a science fiction novel about how we've come aliens were in earth <laughs> yeah. and then now we're all aliens and we're stuck on earth until we've come to this self-truth awareness and then we can leave earth or something and i'm like how the hell do hundreds or thousands or probably even millions around the world people believe this Mm. like that there was a big explosion or something and then we're aliens Mm. um but then you know it's like well that's that's all i know about it i'm sure there's a million other layers to it because people that are getting invested in it they're wealthy and they're intelligent and it's like like tom cruise (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's like the biggest advocate for it. I mean, intelligent people, I don't think there's less susceptibility for someone who maybe Mm. uh, have a higher intellect falling for extreme ideas. If anything, they want to be, they have a, they would, I assume there'd be a correlation between intelligence and being a contrarian and, and, Mm. you know, finding ideas that are different to the norm. And then, going through every possible mental loop in your head to justify those beliefs, whereas someone who may not be able to think in that capacity mm. wouldn't be able to justify it to such a degree. 
Exactly. And I'm sure like even just like basic um, personality traits, like agreeableness come down into that. People that have lack of agreeableness, uh, when you tell them a concept that they're not aware of, they're going to be like, hang on, this doesn't make sense to me. You talk to me until mm. it does. No, it doesn't. I'm, I'm leaving it. People that are very agreeable, like um, like I am a very agreeable person. So you'll tell me something I haven't heard. I'm like, tell me about that. And then I'll be like, wow, that's so interesting. Oh, yeah. I haven't thought about it like that. Like, And then next minute, I'm a Scientologist or something. So thank God, <laughs> not quite yet. <laughs> Doing the Scientology orgies. Did, they, did Scientology have orgies? I don't think Probably. they do. Look, all of them. I Well, then good on them. They're the, every other cult does. I know that with like Scientology, though, you have to work up the ranks and the, every rank above you is a secret. So who knows oh what the top God. ranks get into, like the it's Navy like or Yeah, it is. <laughs> you gotta just work your way. And up that's and... like a psychological marketing scheme to make you invested in it because you're wanting to take that next step. You're wanting to pay to unlock that hidden nude on OnlyFans. Like mm. it's this it's the same. These yeah. people have got it figured out. <laughs> the start of this podcast, we offer those different tiers of subscriptions as well. So yeah, yeah this is a cult, and this it's going to help you. It's going to better your life. So give if you, you subscribe, sense of self worth that you, you never will know had. everything. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh-huh. and then we could lure people in with the what are the other podcasts? Do? Is it like um, the, the Patreon? And they're like, oh, and they uh, will yeah. they'll yeah. tease you with something like, we're going to talk about how Neil became pregnant, and then yeah. you're like, shit, okay, I'm going to pay the four. <laughs> Pay for this. Yeah. And then it turns out you did it on like a virtual reality video game or something, yeah. like or Sims. Rather than just no, you're helping pay for the production. Yeah. No, it's like you know, you're you're part of a movement. You're part of a movement that's uh, striving for truth. Yeah. And we just want to be the truthful ones in this society. But everyone else is against us. The media is against us. You know, society, culture is against us. Religion's against us. And we need your help. It's not just your help. You're a, you're a, you are, will be fighting with us. For truth. Exactly. See, and Neil, you and I are educating the masses on this, which is exactly why you guys should all purchase us. <laughs> money. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but look, once you sort of uh, figure out that there are certain, uh, there are just traits of a, of a cult and characteristics. You see those characteristics everywhere in pyramid schemes, in everywhere. yes, in just a YouTuber's Patreon. It's mm. the same sort of thing. You're building this community and giving people a sense of belonging with different levels and tiers. And, exactly. Oh, my goodness. And then you have to, if you want to, you know, you're desperate to get to that next tier, so you want to um, do whatever they did. You, it, look, at like hazing in colleges, right? Mm. It's, a, it's this authority that is imposed upon you. And you feel like, okay, I endured that, so I want to get to the next level, so I can then um, impose that onto the new and mm-hmm. to the next people. And yeah, status. Like I showed you that article a few weeks ago about how status, uh, a perceived sense of higher status, actually mm. increases your uh, what was it, serotonin? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. There's, a, there's science that 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 points to high status people being happier. Yeah. And being able to emotionally regulate to a, a higher degree what exactly does uh, serotonin yeah it's so not the happy one is it that's that's dopamine it's, serotonin can also like help um it, it brings you a sense of security and calmness yeah. and bonding yeah there you go yeah so you want that you're yeah. chasing that yeah and self-assuredness yeah if like you, i've if nailed you, it yeah and if you're low in the totem pole of uh n- normal society 
you know, you have a, a low paying job and you can't, you're not doing well in the dating world and you don't have many friends and you're not very attractive, then of course you're going to be attracted to ideas that give you that status. Mm-hmm. Like um, pickup artistry. They're like, you can't do this. <laughs> give me your money and I'm going to, I'm going to give you the answers. Yeah. And you know what the answers they give is sometimes usually pretty good. And then you're like, well, shit, this works. Here's some more money. Don't need to do it. You can yeah. find it all for free. Or you can yeah. read like one or two books. So don't yeah. spend thousands of dollars on any any. – don't ever spend thousands of dollars on anyone. Look, I mean, you can, you can pay for the subscription. You, thousands, <laughs> thousands you it to us. I mean, I actually have a lot of um, people that listeners message me on Instagram for relationship issues almost daily. But I love that stuff. So I'm oh, like, yes. We're like chatting. But – um. You don't need to, you know, spend ten thousand dollars to learn how how to talk to a woman or or something like that. Not dismissing it or minimizing it; it's a hard thing to do. But just know that these businesses are set up to profit. Um, oh, goddamn pyramid schemes! Yeah, <laughs> like they they're just they are a cult. Like I I was seeing this girl a few years ago, and and um, I'm always very because I've done it myself, I've since realized, you know, how much free will do we all have and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. But you know, I've built this sort of small business and uh, achieved a following online myself. So I'm very vocal mm. about, you know, you can do it. Like, this is how you do it. Believe in yourself and all the sort of cliches that you'd mm. often hear. Um, and she was always critical of that. Like, not everyone can just do that. Not everyone can maybe has the sort of drive or the talent. or it. it you can't just say you can do it if you just do these things. Mm. And then a few weeks later, someone at her gym or something had told her about some supplements that she sells and how she went from earning, you know, not much a year to quite a lot a year. And, hey, if you just sign up saying that I got you into this program, you can also sell these supplements to people and you can work three days a week and earn all this money. From home. Yeah, and I'm like, you you stupid. Like, like, Mm. that's a a pyramid scheme. And for whatever reason – no, and, and I should reflect on that as well. For whatever reason, the way I was articulating those ideas of, you know, um, uh, similar sort of self-help ideas of, you know, taking personal accountability and doing X behaviors that will achieve X result, that may not be as effective to people who say, coming back to people who are maybe more feeling or mm. maybe more doers mm. um, who might want a bit more of a sort of emotional inclusive message and... Um, yeah. Anyway, the point I was trying to, it's just the way that, you know, certain ideas can manipulate people. It's wild. And get into people's heads and make them feel like, oh, the, it could be, someone could have said the exact same thing, but just said it in a different yeah. way. Um, and it doesn't resonate with them. Exactly. And that sort of, it's just very interesting. It goes so deep as well, how it's like, you know, like the, the beauty industry profits off, you know, developing insecurities in us and making us aware of wrinkles yeah. or and blaming men. image. Yeah, <laughs> man, just like, and I fall trapped there. Like you wouldn't believe how much I spend on skincare. Like it is an uncomfortable amount of money. <laughs> but <laughs> for shit I do not probably need. But yeah, I'm like, you know what? No, I don't want to eat healthy. I'm just going to spend this $200 yeah. on my one of eight serums, all right? <laughs> look, consumerism uh, will not make you feel fulfilled. No. I mean, look, we all want to sometimes do a bit of shopping therapy, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you got to know when to curtail it. And 
And you got to know when to yeah. not join a cult. Yeah, it's a hard because we can say this to people, but it's not going to resonate with someone who is seeing a particular advertisement or hearing about a, a cult and and getting that sense of warmth and that and that fire inside of them. Whereas we're just telling them, no, you're stupid. Yeah, <laughs> That's not exactly. Gonna work. So you got to have that emotional of, response. Exactly. Physiological. So, yeah. That's exactly it. So I know when I often I'm very critical about people and things and. That doesn't resonate with people who may be lacking self-worth and falling for certain ideas. I've got to figure out a way to get better at, um, well, just different styles of communication and articulating the same ideas that I often do in both of these podcasts. Mm. But in a way that can make instill that self-worth into people without making them feel bad for yeah. falling for um, things or, or, you know, having done certain uh, behaviors that I'm then saying and not good behaviors that will automatically bring shame and they're less likely to listen to what I have to say. And it's probably the same with politics as well. Mm. If, if you're constantly telling a certain swath of the population, you're, you're bad people, you're, you, you know, you, you're morally inferior if you think this certain way, or if you um, don't believe in these certain ideas, or even if you just question them, no, 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 this is the orthodoxy and you have to adhere to it. There has to be a way to uh, illustrate that those ideas and articulate that message that isn't just shaming people. I feel like it's the reverse. Like you you almost got to sell it in the most positive light ever and that's how people get so um, embedded in it. But, you know, like you and I sit here and talk about I did a bloody this morning. I was – you know how – phones give you targeted advertising based oh, on yeah. like, i swear it's on what you say out it loud is. yeah it's creepy when you think about so it so this morning i was having a bitch fest of the silliest thing about how i like to like cuddle a pillow when i sleep uh-huh. because i'm a tosser and turner i have to carry my pillow with me each side whenever <laughs> i roll around and That's if on my back it has to sit like on me around okay. like this no. and so i was like talking about that and then next minute i in my instagram i'm getting av- advertisements everywhere for like those like snug hug pillows Ooh. and it's like the big you shape yeah i fucking bought it and then i found out it's a pregnancy pillow um but <laughs> i don't give a shit i bought two um so <laughs> you got two yeah so yeah, i'm excited well look that's that's one where that's probably – I don't think you have anything to worry about there. That's just <laughs> advertising that probably might make you – that could be a product that improves your sleep. So Hopefully. A good, a good, a good purchase. A pillow but. permanently on each side of me. It's amazing. To me, it's the best thing ever. I don't know how I've lived my life without it. Oh, but, but the, the, <laughs> psycholo- the manipulative psychology of advertising, that, there's wild. a whole podcast there yeah. because you know, I was looking at an ad a few weeks ago for McDonald's and there was nothing about McDonald's. It was – this uh, yeah. woman, have you seen it? Where she's, no. um, the mother's talking about, oh, you know, basically reminiscing about when she was a baby and how it was so amazing to take care of you when you were a baby. And then the mother and gave her a trinket or something. And then the, and then a few events occur. And then I think a husband proposes to that girl who's now an adult. And then, and then she uh, visits her mother again and shows that trinket to her, which um. is a sort of that they sort of tacitly understand that. Um, Okay, now I'm pregnant as well, and then the mother and the and the daughter embrace, and there's tears, and then they just drive past McDonald's, and it's just like, what? what the fuck does that have to do with McDonald's? But what it's doing is we all feel moved. I felt yeah. moved. Like, it was a beautiful, and then you think about it positively. Short film, and so you associate that with the stupid M. Yeah. So then you don't realize there's a mm-hmm. subconscious 
uh, response when you see that M. Yeah. Yeah, family. Exactly. It's it's fucking dark. And that's like the basis of NLP as well. It's like I'm going to put little symbols or or repeat just the tiniest words. Like you might be afraid of dogs, right? And when I say dogs, you like freak out every time. And But as I'm talking, I'm just going to say like, oh, and you put it on the wolf. I mean roof. Like here and there, like these little tiny little messages about dogs every like minute or two. And before you know it, you're loving dogs. Like it's just this sneaky thing like that. Those ads are so effective because you get moved you feel emotional and then it's about something so freaking random like turning on electricity or something chicken nuggets yeah (laughs) and it's like i don't think a pregnant woman is going to go to mcdonald's well i don't know maybe probably shouldn't (laughs) yeah who salmonella who who, or just don't (laughs) there was an nrma one earlier in the year where it was the uh, worst oh there's Australians that were um, helping each other from a flood and then they were building the harbour bridge and someone there was a girder about to fall on someone but he snatched him just in the nick of time and they yeah. raced and it was all about mateship and camaraderie and Australia and then at the end NRMA we're here to help what the fuck yeah. what does that have to and do with an insurance one? company oh my god that one oh, gets me every yes. time yeah it's yeah. so manipulative yeah. uh, and we've all subconsciously uh, we've had a lifetime I've seen these ads, so we don't know how we've been programmed. Uh, you know, I used to think people in marketing were stupid and it was easy, but no, no it's, there's it's, so much. It's it's manipulative. Even the it's colors, evil. like red evokes <laughs> hunger. Yep. That's why all like you know, hungry jacks, McDonald's, everything has red. A Porto. It it's it's this. There's so much psychology behind what sells. Mm, gosh, and yeah, you know there are some great products out there i don't i'm not complete i'm not some hippie right i'm sure you know consumerism to a certain degree can improve and help your life you know the products you might need that will help you and improve your, you know, make your life more convenient and we all like our appliances mm. um so i'm not some oh capitalism and consumerism <laughs> you know, there's, there's a need for all of those things but it's just good to be aware of some of the um manipulative tendencies of advertising and i've done ads and things like you know we all, yeah. need, we all need yeah we all need to butter our bread but yeah um just i just wish that like for me i'd be i'd respect an ad about mcdonald's more if it was just like yeah here are the burgers and this is what they cost and this is what it tastes like it tastes good yeah and it's cheap and yeah, yeah. That, like that's honest not this like yeah do you mother and daughter relationship do you remember the rivers ad that was out a few years ago and it was like we're not gonna yell at you we're not gonna like show all the prices then they kind of just walk past quietly wearing these like shoes and then the price 17 dollars or flash up and it had such a great impact because people were like having respect for them mm. rather than being like 4.99 come down alone it's like blah, blah, blah. it was just like a at river and that was it the whole ad and people were like respect go. and then it worked well, yeah, I mean, we're still falling for the ad, but, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I just think, yeah, I prefer any marketing people out there, I prefer ads that are just honest, <laughs> like just yeah. say it, you know, at yeah. least KFC doesn't act like, oh, we're all healthy, you know, and yeah. it's like, yeah, fucking greasy zinger box, exactly. get it in you. It's Australian culture, yeah. you, you know, you got to advertise to the... Kentucky People. fried chicken. Well, you know, no, I mean, you're advertising to Australians. That's why you got to be like the get it in ya yeah, for the cricket of kind of thing. Yeah. How weird is it that when Burger King came here, it didn't do well, and then they changed it to Hungry Jacks? Just, just 
because Australians wanted to do, like they associated Burger King as too American. <gasps> really? Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah, Hungry Jack's is Burger King. It's just um, different branding for Australia. For everywhere else in the world, it's Burger King. But for whatever oh, reason, I don't know God. what the reason is, but it for, they just thought it needed the different branding. That's so funny. And Burger King sound too American. <laughs> Look, King, yeah, Australians probably, oh, fucking King. What do you think? Yeah, <laughs> you're better than me. And burgers are very American, even though. Australians love burgers, but mm. and then Hungry Jack. That, that, does, yeah. that does sound very Aussie. Wow. Yeah. I'm pretty amazing. sure. I mean, check that out. I might have to research that, but um, it makes sense, though. Yeah. I mean, I like the name Hungry Jack's more than Burger King. Yeah, and just to come full circle, I suppose we've got to wrap this one up. Um, that is also a sort of little microcosm of a cult, isn't it? Because hey invest in this product and it'll make you feel better the burgers are better at hungry jack you're stressed aren't you it'll give you it'll give you what you're looking for mm. that dopamine hit that you know, we're all human we all crave it and it does, <laughs> yeah, it does. exactly because um, yeah. when, when you go and eat that burger you're like shit that was right that hit the spot that's just what i needed i mm. feel so much better oh yeah yeah well, we're all being – everyone's trying to manipulate everyone, really. Yeah. Every reaction ever is a cult. No, now I'm going too far. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, yeah, let us know in the comments. What are the bounds of a cult? What do you think? Uh, how would you define a cult? And are you in a cult? Yeah. But like we said, no one who's in a cult realizes they're in a cult. Were we you in a cult? We could be in a cult. We could be, we could be, be a cult. cult. Australia you could, could be, be a cult, cult. leader. With your masses of Instagram followers and... Yeah, there's parallels there. Like, don't get me wrong. Now, I, I see it now. Yeah. <laughs> followers. I mean, the word followers. Exactly. Jeez. Um, but anyway, subscribe to my cults. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Tic- you know, I have more followers on TikTok now than any other social media. Really? Yeah. Jeez. When did you get a TikTok? How long has TikTok been around for? Uh, a few years, but it was musically for a while. And then oh. I only got it early this year, but I've had what? all the others for seven, eight, nine, ten years. And I've surpassed uh, by quite a considerable amount a considerable amount now. I've surpassed my uh, wow. otherwise highest uh, subscribed social media platform. So... Congrats. Follow me on TikTok. <laughs> do you do the like savage dance and things? No dances. Uh, oh, there was one dance because I made a song and I was like, oh, I'm going to try and make a dance go viral and it didn't. <laughs> There's one dance there. Try again now. Uh, oh, okay. Now that you got the following, right. do the, redo the dance. Maybe I will. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Share this podcast and we will talk to you next time. See you next week.